This podcast is sponsored by King Manual Therapy, restoring function to body and voice. Hello and welcome to Industry Minds, the podcast which discusses the importance of talking about mental health within the creative arts. My name is Cathy Reid. I'm Scarlett Maltman. And today we are joined by director Brona Lagan. Hiya. Hi, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. How are you today? Yes, good. Good. Thank you for a Sunday brought to you. We've never done a Sunday interview before. This is our first. Yeah. So we always start with a word association game, which you might know if you listen. So the first thing that comes into your head, right? Right. Flapjacks. Chocolate. Art. Music. Covent Garden. Shopping. Reality TV. Love Island God. Yes! (laughs) Touring. Uh, headache. Table work. <laughs> Exciting. Coffee. A flat white. Summer holidays. What are they? Your winner of Love Island 2019. Uh, Tommy and Molly on the yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're kind of the only couple that actually like each well, other. No, really. because me and Kathy are actually on a WhatsApp group for a Love Island chat, and they were saying if Amber and Ovi stay coupled up, although they're not in a romantic relationship, they can still yeah. win because they're selling a couple. Because so I'm rooting for that. Well, Ovi brings the banner. I love Ovi. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I hope whoever Mora is coupled up with wins because I, I think she Maura. would just keep the money and that would be hilarious. Yeah, she is the best thing to come out she's of Love so Island. She's so rude. She'd be like, like still. She's fucking hilarious, man. Like, she's savage. Absolute savage. Well, anyway, going on to the podcast about Love Island. Uh, not about Love Island. Um, so chat to us about how you and when you got involved in the creative arts. Oh, um, well, I'm from Northern Ireland, as you both know, and uh, I went to like a, the, one of the only Catholic convent schools at the time that accept boys, girls, any religion. It was very hippie and mm. arts uh, promoting, and they kind of, well, they made everyone be uh, a performer on stage and made everyone direct uh, from uh, first year up to A-levels. Not not trying to I think shape actors or directors but just they saw the importance of art in um, creating um, collaboration and uh, developing leadership skills and confidence um, as uh, young people which I think was really amazing but also being from Northern Ireland I didn't have much um, exposure to professional theatre because obviously during the troubles all theatres were, were closed in Northern Ireland and I think well I think one only stayed open which was the lyric so it was difficult to see professional work but everyone at home was great storytellers and I think that art of storytelling really uh, inspired me to want to pursue that as a career but I literally had no idea how you did it because there was no drama schools and there was no kind of working theatres when I was growing up so I just followed my friends across to Liverpool, which is like the, the second capital of Ireland, yeah. and uh, went to uni there uh, at John Moore's, and it was a, a school that was quite uh, open, and if you, you could do three days a week, you'd be a geek like me and do seven days and involved in every show wow. and doing anything from costume dressing to directing, and it gives like a nice round set of skills in, in mm-hmm. different areas. Um, but I still didn't really know what I wanted to do. I just knew I wanted to work in uh, theatre. And 
then I kind of I directed my first show at uni and, and decided that's what I wanted to do and went and studied physical theatre to try and get more skills in how to tell stories and through Hope Street Physical Theatre School I went to it employed a lot of freelance directors that came in to work um, with us as a company and that was probably like like a sh- it was like a drama school experience but in a six month period quite intense um, and from there I, I uh, directed a few shows I went to Turkey and I assisted directors that had to come through that and then started devising and creating my own work and shows that involved puppetry and physical theatre and and then moved to London because everyone said that's what you're supposed yeah. to do. <laughs> yeah. And that was like a baptism of fire because yeah. I think working in Liverpool, it's quite a small city, isn't it? And there's a lot of connections and uh, London was almost like starting yeah. all over again. Worked at a drama college for a bit and I actually learned quite a lot about directing. Have worked at a BTEC college dealing with what do you do with 60 actors, okay? And what do you do when they're... When it's in a circus tent and there's 200 <laughs> seats in, that was quite a big challenge, but a, a good uh, learning um, experience, for, I think, for me as a director, even though I was teaching at the time. And then when I turned 28, after working there five years, I was like, I need to take the leap and just do freelance directing because that's why I moved to London. And for the past seven years, I've been very fortunate I haven't had to do anything but that. Um, but it means working all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, that's kind of how I got into theatre and kind of what I'm doing now, I suppose. Yeah, amazing. amazing. I love that. Yeah. I love, I love that. the circus tent. That it's was like, bonkers, I'm, I'm that show. It was, like, it was a production of uh, Peter Pan at, at Christmas time. They'd hired a circus tent because it was really cheap because no one would be daft enough to put up a circus tent in the winter and, and it snowed exactly. and it was bonkers yeah. but it was great there's like a like, lot of aerotopies and flying and live band it was really it was a really special um, college work actually um, and it, there's a lot of big tools to, to play with in creating um, stuff and, and I'm not from a musical theatre background but I directed my first musicals at that college I did Into the Woods um, that easy one for your first musical, <laughs> and then West Side Story, um, and then I've done well musicals and plays and yeah. whatnot since then. Busy, busy. I love it. You actually kind of answered our next question, um, talking about where you trained in the physical theatre. Would you say that your experiences training in physical theatre shape how you direct now? Definitely. Yeah. And the, the physical theatre did a lot of like, clowning and I think like that can sound a bit weird but mm. um, it's an amazing art form because it looks at how storytelling can transcend language and make it kind of universal and um, yeah I mean if, if you if you work with strong actors like they can do all the job of um, putting their personal stamps into the characters and you want to be able to shape the images that they are creating so mm-hmm. that you can t- tell the story to, to a mass audience with all different understandings of theatre and I I think there's so much that's said from the physical that mm-hmm. the words are what we want people to hear and yeah. our body gives away the things that we are feeling and suppressing for sure makes it quite accessible doesn't it yes yeah, yeah. And I think probably do like starting off 
directing shows that toured around uh, Italy and Philippines and Turkey where um, English wasn't first language uh, meant that I had to think about communicating stories through kind of non-verbal means yeah. um, or not relying so much on language. What a challenge, that's yeah. epic. A lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. A lot of fun, yeah. Great. It's great, yeah. So getting on to mental health, can you chat to us about your experiences with mental health? Yeah, my, my aunt uh, is actually uh, one of the top psychiatric doctors in, in the, the country for um, and she, she works with uh, young people that have difficulties with um, substance abuse and eating disorders so I, I've learned a lot talking to her about kind of the importance and how these conversations need to be more open and, and coming from Northern Ireland it's about 50 years behind England in uh, mental health awareness and it has like one of the highest CSI rates I think in Europe um, but there seem to be conversations that are now, now happening with mm-hmm. that and um, I've yeah I've, I've I believe there's a lot that the arts still can do and I think that we people think because you talk about emotions and you're trying to get inside of other people that we are the experts on how to deal with emotional well-being but often um, actors and creatives don't take care of their themselves because they're not seeing themselves as the most important they're trying to push the story or the other person's story um um yeah it's i mean it's something that i, d- I definitely think that uh, there's a lot still to learn from it I, I don't think i was really aware certainly not when i was in training it was something that people talked about you were kind of just told to get on with it and having having worked on a number of shows that have done dealt with mental health and I just keep thinking about Pippin, that's what's kind of thrown me yeah, a bit. Yeah. Um, obviously, that um, girl Olivia had, had yeah. taken her life during that. Yeah. It was such a it was such a uh, difficult situation, um, Pippin, because the cast were so young as well. They were this, like three of them were the same age as Olivia, and they yeah. went two of them went to, to school with her, and and doing that musical, which is about mental health and and uh, the challenges that that working in the arts. Uh, brings uh, to look, looking after yourself and the cast did so well it was such a tough because the, st- the show obviously transferred didn't yeah, it to Southwark and Olivia was had, had passed by then and the company were having to then put together the story and, and the director wasn't around so I stepped in and helped or taken over as uh, the associate for Jonathan and then having to, to ha- have another uh, actress come in and, and play that role and it was so soon after the whole yeah. experience but they did they did so well and, and kind of like how I approached that um, in rehearsals was I, I, did, I didn't know her but like I want you to talk about her and if if you feel that you are um, you, that you need time out we take time out and we we can talk about it and her name was 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 praised in the room it was never hidden and it was a tough role for that other actress um, that had to come in and, and uh, play that part. But the company were just so gracious and strong and helpful to mm-hmm. each other. And but ultimately, they were they had a responsibility to to tell the story to a group of people, and there might be someone in that audience that has lost someone or is going mm-hmm. through that. So it's very difficult, but. Uh, 
quite quite a life changing experience actually. Mm. Just it's a play, and we are people, and that's what's important. Mm. Um, yeah, I think we need to be having these conversations. Need to be brave about sharing our emotions in that, and probably guilty of not doing that a lot mm. myself. And um, just off the topic of that, and um, not necessarily in a situation like that, but obviously it comes into it. You know, you as a director, you you're in charge of looking after a whole company. How do you look after yourself whilst you know looking after a whole company? <laughs> um, and being busy and juggling. Yeah, I think like for me, it's yeah. You, I think when you're being a director. Um, well, I certainly feel that you become a bit like of a mother of the company um, and try, trying to look after um, everyone, but also knowing that there is time constraints and you've got to be pushing forward. But for me, having my mother and my three sisters um, around me and grinding me, and any time I think I'm getting ahead of myself, they will remind me <laughs> where I'm from and, and you know... Uh, who I am and I think keeping keeping in touch with family and having people that are not in the industry I find is good mm-hmm. to keep you grounded and keep you yeah. not, not getting lost in the world and in the I mean I lo- absolutely love theatre like I live and, live and breathe it but yeah I think get stepping back into kind of reality now and again and keeping yeah. uh, family conversations and them picking on you is helpful <laughs> to just remind you uh of yeah what, what what's really important in that um but yeah i think as, as a director you have a duty of care to both your 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 actors and the story yeah. as well but maybe the story is sometimes thought about too much in, mm. in certain uh in certain rehearsals from from what I've, I've heard from from other directors i feel that there's a lot of like old school rehearsal horrors that people have talked yeah. about from <laughs> years ago and i think there seems to be uh more care now about for, yeah. for for actors in rehearsal room. Yeah. I hope so anyway. Okay, a big one was I don't know if it's used now. I certainly haven't done it, but emotional recall. Yeah. Going back into those really quite dark places. I haven't done that, but my sister trained in LA, and that was like a really big uh, thing that they did yeah. in 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 her oh. actor training. Which sounds hard. It's like yeah, we done it at drama school, and oh, so we got told not to do it. Isn't that interesting? We graduated the same year. Had yeah. completely opposite. Do you go to the same? No, no. Yeah. I it's... suppose it's all different, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. It's hard, one, isn't it? Yeah. I think that. I think. I mean, I, I, I haven't done that, but I suppose if you are practicing that with young actors, as long as you know what emotional support you need to be yeah, doing. Of on the side of that maybe that's mm. what you do but yeah I don't think you should be doing it just for the sake no. of no. the emotion yeah, <laughs> yeah I think so. it's hard all this acting and directing yeah. stuff, isn't it? I think working in education actually has really helped me to look after the well-being of actors in a, in a room because working in BTEC there's a lot of like guidelines for teachers and stuff and I think all all directors are teachers but maybe not all, all teachers are, are, are directors yeah. but you've yeah, you've got to know how to run your classroom and how to look after the people yeah. and get the best out you can. But I think probably working in education has helped me a lot, actually. Because there is a lot of support around that. Yeah. Like, there is a a counsellor on site and you know the signs and stuff to, to, if you need to call. Oh, yeah. That was what was... that When it 
Pippin, um, when I was on, on Pippin, I asked my aunt what to to, to do, like, for some advice about that. Mm-hmm. And I, it, I didn't really know where you could go for support for actors, uh, mental health awareness um, and, uh, and support and counselling when you're working on freelance jobs because mm-hmm. it's such a short experience. Yeah. But she had a lot of great, um, she mentioned like Pulse was, was a, a great company to help. Yeah. And we're willing, there, there's companies out there that are willing to come in and speak as they did when we were in Pippin to yeah, the whole group too. and say, we are here because you yeah. just don't know. No. Yeah. Yeah, that's certainly something we've found since starting that there is just su- such a small field, the support that is out there for yeah. creatives. In terms of directing, is there anything that could be put in place to support our directors or creatives more in the arts, do you think? Oh, uh, yeah, I suppose there could be. Like, uh, directing's very lonely um, because you kind of, you get into the top of like uh, a pyramid of, of hierarchy within within mm. a, a a company, so there's a lot of yeah it, it, there is a lot of, of kind of loneliness about that because you're trying to lead everyone and not let anyone know that you are unsure of things. Yeah. Um, I think directors need to be talking to other directors more. I think that's a, a great way to be um, uh, supportive of another. I've got a, quite a few friends that are directors and a lot of strong female um, director friends that I, I really use to for help and guidance and stuff and I think I, I think directors need to be brave enough to have those conversations and not necessarily about work because sometimes people want to have a conversation with you and mm-hmm. as director you feel it it's what do they want from me mm-hmm. they do they actually want to have a conversation but I think for directors be it'd be good to be having these conversations outside of actually the practice but like how you're feeling and and being open about not knowing the answers yeah um and i know like the the way director training works at the moment it's it's very different to like 15 years ago regional theaters all would have taken in an assistant director or an associate director Mm -hmm. resident director positions Mm -hmm. and working it in those big well establishments and buildings meant that you have kind of a, a network of mentors within that establishment. But fortunately, um, a lot of those places are now attached to um, master's courses, mm-hmm. which mean that unless you are able to afford to do master's, mm-hmm. it's hard for directors to get into institute, uh, mm-hmm. lower yeah. level directing and then uh, go up the ladder. Yeah. Um, so I think maybe having, artistic directors maybe holding meetings or, or willing to meet uh, young directors to try and answer some of those fears might be yeah, a, a way yeah. to, to do that. I know the, the young Vic do some things. Um, um, maybe there are things, but it's not really I, known I, I again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, explain the role of a director, explain your typical day, week, month, year. Because I feel like people have a view of what a director is, but don't actually know, you know, the kind of like, it's like the tip, that's the tip of the iceberg and everything that goes on underneath it. Okay. <laughs> right. Day. Okay, day. let's do a day first. Wake up. Oh my God, look how many emails I have. <laughs> I need to get out of this house and get to that rehearsal room. When I'm going to answer these emails on the tube. <laughs> um, hope there's Wi-Fi. <laughs> hope there's Wi-Fi. Um, yeah, well, and yeah. 
re- rehearsals are you, you all kind of know how, how that goes it's i mean the big thing is trying to juggle your mini business which is yourself mm-hmm, which yeah. is usually by yourself um and trying to keep a room alive and active yeah. and mm. i mean i i don't when i'm in rehearsals like i will not get a tea break and i will not get a lunch break mm. and i will be saying at the end because those are the only moments that people get to chat mm. yeah. to you when you're not rehearsing so it becomes really all-consuming but i do i do kind of thrive off that mm. um like you lunch. have to eat though no, but you know what I mean? You're like eating on the go. Like yeah, lunchtime yeah. is like a production meeting and, yeah. and the next lunchtime is, oh, okay, you've got uh, a press thing and the next yeah. one is like you're trying to squeeze an addition for your next show that's coming up in your lunch break. That literally happened last week. Um, okay, you've got a, a set meeting for a show you're doing in three months' time. I'm, I'm in Fulham. Can you come here? So it's always mm-hmm. trying yeah. to keep the plate spinning mm. so uh, and deal with all the stuff that's going on in the room there's obviously then those periods of oh my god I haven't got a job yeah. what am I going to do um, and you're you know, sending your emails out and, and networking and stuff but it's it's mad how how forward you have to be thinking on, on projects and something something that's quite tough sometimes is a producer might be or, or a theatre or a drama school might be like why haven't answered this email you're kind of like, I'm literally in tech, yeah. but don't worry, when I'm in tech for your show, you will have my full focus. But because mm. the people that you're working with to build those shows, like producers and venues, are having to work at a different time frame well ahead of you. Yes. Um, so, yeah, what, what, what other questions are So, what do you do in the day? What do you and do? what do you do in a month? <laughs> in a month. Day a month show, I hope. Oh, sorry, day, week, month, year. To get downtime. Um, I mean, this is my sixth show this year, so that which is really yeah. exciting. Yeah. Um, so the hard the hard thing is allowing yourself to have the time off. I'm really really bad at that, and <laughs> I need to stop like not going to my friends' weddings. I need to stop <laughs> like missing handos, or I'm gonna have no friends left. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've got. I, I haven't got a project this August and I probably could have pushed to get some things but because I've had such a uh, back-to-back mm-hmm. year I've kind of said to myself I'm not doing anything in August and I'm going to go home and I'm going to see family and I'm going to yeah. go and visit my friends that are in shows and, and yeah. go and see my, my, my cousin's baby and, and all that stuff um, but I think I need to get better definitely at allowing I think everyone's like that. It's freelance. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. let yourself have the time off. You need that. A year is. Oh my god! Look at all these shows I got lined up. Oh my god! Why have three of them fallen through already? Um, okay, where where did that one come from? It's not. It's a total roller coaster. I think it's hard to do uh, forward planning. That's yeah. uh, not not about shows. About life stuff. I think everyone's kind of guilty of not aligning themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and feeling like we shouldn't feel bad when we're not in work. It's not. It's not. A, it's not a failure. Like it's mm-hmm. th- that is the nature of it. And there's lots of celebrities and well-paid actors that have bites of not doing it. Um, and there's things that you can be doing that still mean that you are an artist just because you're not doing the part that you want to do. Exactly. Or, yeah. um, 
and just yeah by being easier on yourself I guess so a year juggling about production meetings for six other shows (laughs) whilst in tech for another god how's your brain like that's that's mad how many likes of things are to do like on your to-do list is it like 200 uh never ending yeah (laughs) no it's good like what's nice is the more that I'm the more that I'm doing or like kind of the the directory I'm going in as a director on as a director working on bigger shows means you get use a bigger team so I have mm-hmm. um I've got a great assistant director that I use as much as I I can and mm-hmm. and working with creatives um that I have worked with before means you've already got a trust and understanding and language with them and having really great support networks mm-hmm. of some creatives allows you to juggle the plates like allows you to go do you mind if I'm not in the music call because I've got an audition for X, Y, and Z yeah. mm-hmm. and that MD will allow me to do that because they know me and vice versa. And yeah. um, But having good teams around you lets all those plates yeah. stay in the air. Most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so are there any aspects about being a young female director that may affect mental health? Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely... I'm, I won't go into detail, but I have had a, a lot of experience of um, being challenged because I am a woman. I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm that young, but I think people might think I'm younger than I am. Um, but yeah, it happens. It happens all the time. Um, I often feel like I have to prove that I'm strong to uh, often older creators or or. or technical theater um or 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 actors um i I think yeah i think being a young woman people often look at you and think are you capable of this and that's quite sad actually that that still happens um and it happens working in in fringe stuff it happens working in in regional as has happened Mm. in working in west end stuff has happened working in in uh, education but yeah, that there's always, there's not always, but there's often a sense of you need to prove your worth because you are either a woman or 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 young. I have a funny story about that actually. So Go on. the first time this happened to me, I was 21 <laughs> and I was assistant director on this um, physical theatre show and the director was also acting in the show, but it was a very weird process. It was five weeks. The first four weeks, I created a character. And then in the final week, she would step into the character I created and then I would be the outside eye as the directing eye. And it came to our last run and uh, I had to give notes and it was in, it was in this boardroom because that, that was the only room that was free to do the notes, which was so dramatic. <laughs> and I sat at the edge of the table and I was giving my notes to everyone. I'd worked with these actors for five weeks and it was a collaborative piece, so we're like mm-hmm. equals. Yeah. So I was giving everyone notes um, and uh, there was this woman and she was... Um, she'd done this aria in the show and there was a, a guy in the cast that was goofing around the back and uh, I had noted him and had said um, it just what, what you're doing at that moment um, it's it's kind of detracting from what Manana is trying to um, tell the audience um, so I'm not sure that's a great choice at that particular point. He was like, I am not going to sit here 
and take director notes from some 21-year-old wannabe female director. No! And the whole room just went silent. And I went, I couldn't care less if you don't respect me as a director or as a young person or indeed as a female. But as an audience member, you look like a tit. And he went, well, that I respect. And I thought that... I had to like be brave like, and like stand up to him. Yeah. Um, otherwise, he wouldn't respect me. And then from then, we were like best mates. But he had to like, he felt like he had to throw his authority that he didn't respect my opinion. And I don't, I don't know that I'd be that brave now, but you're 21 and you're straight out of drama yeah. school. I'm not going to let him speak to me like that. Um, but yeah, it was. It was funny. Yeah. Fucking hell. It'd be more, I think for me, it'd be more the female thing that would get to me. Yeah. Like if someone was like, oh, some like 21 year old wannabe thing, I'd be like, oh, it's because I'm not very experienced or whatever. But like the fact that you say female, I'd be like, what has that got to do mm. with anything? <laughs> like, like, yeah. Nah. Nah, I don't like taking orders. <laughs> yes, bro, nah. On that, so there was a recent poll, well, fairly recent poll, released in the stage in January this year, stating that only 10% of theatre directors were working class. And only 48% of the directors were female. Mm-hmm. How can we support aspiring directors, particularly in the working class and female? Yeah, do you know, I'm really glad you spoke about that because that is definitely um, something that I feel passionate about. Mm-hmm. And kind of what I said about um, master's courses now taking yeah. on the apprenticeships that used to be there for directors mm-hmm. to have um, a kind of nurtured training um yeah i think some of those courses they're they're really expensive and Mm -hmm. and it means that only people that can afford to do that um Mm -hmm. can and there is a lot in the media about working class actors not being given parts but my thought on that is the fish rots from the head down and if the directors are not working class and the the actors aren't going to be working class because they're isn't yeah. that view of yeah. it what more can be done um i think again that that mentor idea like i know that does, does sage one do that for producers where they attach so, like yeah. big producers with upcoming producers maybe something like that would be helpful that i don't know if it's through arts council funding or what that the mm. theaters or or maybe theaters that you know, you know that are are funded through through um arts programs that there is some sort of mentorship that allows directors yeah. of uh working class backgrounds to be, be able to get a, a, an idea of, of how to do it. But I do think you learn from doing. So mm. maybe I don't know. Could every theater like gift a month to like yeah. a new maybe like the rents lower or something for that particular month maybe that could be funded i think it's important to be making that work and even like the audience that will then attract an audience as well that might not have the privilege of going to see Mm -hmm. going to see theater like very frequently it's so important like it's so important i mean it is really just about representation isn't it really and on the topic of representation you recently directed an all-female and non-binary production of children of eden um, why do you think it is important to have this kind of representation when you're telling stories? Starting from Children of Eden, it was so... It, I, I was quite nervous about 
that challenge because that that came from um my view they wanted mm-hmm. to to cast it as such and um but it was it's one of the most exciting things i've i've done because it really put a whole new spin on that show like it 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 further highlighted the patriarchy of religion and the fact that women are not written in history because they weren't writing the history mm-hmm. and they weren't writing this because they weren't given the education and doing that show having god played by this amazing scottish woman yeah. uh, was was uh, electrifying and felt exciting that felt like that was part of like pagan cultures too because mm-hmm. uh, like that it has woman at the head but i mean when when i did um children vegan uh all female non-binary it was a great show to do that uh having that casting with because it has a device of the storytellers so the way i approached it was the storytellers um were all uh the actors how, how they identify themselves so whether it's female or non-binary and then when they stepped into to they would step in to be Cain, they would step in to be Abel, they'd step in to be God, so mm-hmm. that we were representing female and binary actors on stage, but we weren't uh, taken away from the story, which gender is really important because mm-hmm. it's the actions of fathers and and the fact that a woman's voice is silent, that is important yeah. in that story. And I, th- I think it made it feel really new and um, refreshing. And it also said, you can do this because a lot of people decide or, or, or I think are scared I'm, and I was dubious myself about h- having to do it um, but it is possible if you have the right um, idea of how to to approach it and and obviously you can do it different ways you can uh, do all female and non-binary shows um, by changing the genders or you can highlight mm-hmm. them and I think what made me be brave in tackling it in that way um, was watching Amelia which just, oh, just thought yeah, was that. incredible mm-hmm. and they did that same thing the, the women like they were women that were putting on um, costume and taking on the characteristics and the behaviour of mm-hmm. men in that period and it didn't weaken the female voice mm-hmm. it, it highlighted like it, it to us as a society why we need yeah. to have more shows yeah. like this mm-hmm. and that women are capable of the roles yes. um and and yeah and how the women have been kind of not written enough in in history yeah. Yeah. i think a lot of people are scared about um the like a lot of women then like getting a lot more roles and, and stuff like that but i think you just you've got to tip the balance in order to find the equality mm-hmm. and uh it's exciting that it feels that we're, we are now part of that yeah. world of change, yeah. which is, is needed. Absolutely. And now a word from our sponsor, King Manual Therapy. Hi everyone, it's Stephen King from King Manual Therapy in Covent Garden. I'm going to be talking to you about the benefits of vocal massage. So the benefits to vocal massage are, number one, it keeps your voice free and healthy. Number two, it keeps your mental health good in relation to your vocal production. Number three, it makes your voice more reliable more of the time. This particularly matters for auditions, for shows, 
for anything you've got coming up, including public speaking. So, how can someone, um, just going off the topic of um, working class um, and directing, how can someone get a foot in the door into directing, into the directing world? And what advice would you offer to aspiring directors slash actors or any other creative who eventually wants to go down the directing path? That's a hefty question. That is a hefty question. Um, I think you should see as much as possible. I, I have learnt, I think, majority of my stuff from learning how, like, see, seeing productions, learning how they're made and find out what works and what doesn't work. Um, I think even even going to see a show that you don't particularly like doesn't mean that it's it was a wasted uh, venture. Um, when I um, kind of took the leap to drop my full-time job and just pursue um, freelance directing, I had more gaps than I do now as, as a director, as in like mm-hmm. periods of not having, mm-hmm. um, not having uh, work. And I wasn't very good at, not great now, but I've got better. Um, I wasn't very good at, whilst being on a job, already thinking about how I can get the next job or how I can can be connecting that so when I first started out there was moments where a show would finish and I'm like oh my god I haven't got anything lined up what am I going to do and I even though like I was saying I'm I'm only doing um, freelance directing I want to be doing stuff that's paid I, I took an opportunity that wasn't paid because I didn't have anything in the foreseeable future and I just wanted to make sure that I was still doing it and it was to assist on a show and um, I assisted on that show and it led to me then, um, the next time I worked with that director, them offering me an associate director which was a paid gig for seven months and then those producers of that offered me a directing gig. So even if it's... Um, not uh, fine. They haven't got the finances you want there. It doesn't mean that it's it's a completely useless opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> but if you go into one of those jobs and think and are thinking about the fact it's not paid, you won't be your best self, and you it, you might as well not have done it. Yeah. And what my dad kind of said to me was, if you're going to do a job that's unpaid, just make yourself completely indispensable. And then when you have to leave, they'll find money for you. And that had, like that advice yeah, worked. It that. did. Make yourself if you if you're gonna do that apprentice stuff, you've got to put your all into it and show people your value. Um, and you can't really be uh, uh, try and avoid being bitter about that because it's a choice that you also make. Yeah. I'm not promoting like unpaid work, but mm-hmm. it definitely has been um, helpful in leading to other jobs and and asking to assist directors um that's and that's not the only job actually i've done where i've um asked to assist a director and then it's and that because that job doesn't exist because that that director might not have the money for that you can approach them and say i'm i can give you this amount of time would you be interested i'd like to learn and you never know what it 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 can lead to um i think um you approaching any job you need to think about I break it into three things, which is kudos, kicks, and cash, and the job has to have two of those for it to be worth you doing that, or that's for me anyway. Yeah, so that. if something is kudos, it's got it's great for the reputation. If it's kicks, it's going to be a great laugh, and if it's got cash, that's great too. But I 
don't look at jobs and go if, if a job only has one of them it usually will make you happy mm-hmm. um, because uh, the other two things are, are suffering but you can usually um, make it work and it be good for your soul if if, if two of those things yeah. are, are I love that. part of it um, and often you get all three K's yeah. which is good yeah. um, I'm going to hashtag that on the podcast at the yeah. end <laughs> yeah <laughs> I love it so press nights I can only imagine can be um, filled with anxiety with the pressure to deliver and get those stars what do you do to look after yourself and a company on press nights and how do you then cope with reviews and critics okay yeah that is a hefty one Sorry. Um, <laughs> I mean, by press night, I'm, I'm usually actually not that nervous on, on press night. I feel like by then, you've this is what you have achieved. Mm-hmm. And that's that should be celebrated. And um, I suppose if things are going wrong, I'm usually like terrified of that. But um, if, yeah, if you've, if you've done your previews and, and it's, it feels like it's in the right place, then... Yeah, I think I always think the press night is kind of our, or should feel like your reward for all the hard work. And usually, I've been in the deepest, darkest text for <laughs> six days with no light. Oh, so I'm like, great, I'm having a beer. That's brilliant. <laughs> um, but I know that for actors, it's probably the opposite because it's it's kind of the start of that yeah. journey. I I've had both. I've had like really amazing five star reviews from national papers, and I've had two-star reviews in like the evening standard before and and that actually was there like two reviews of the same show mm-hmm. and I think that it's yeah I don't know I kind of take it with a pinch of salt mm-hmm. now I think it's I read them and go did they get what I was trying to say and if they haven't what could I have done differently or that person doesn't get it and they never will and mm-hmm. You guys just had a conversation about your different opinions. Theatre is not made to please everyone. It doesn't. Mm. It doesn't matter that everyone doesn't get it. And some st- stuff is there to infuriate people, and some and make them think, "Why is that happening?" Um, and some people hear their their stories on stage, and that's has a different connection to them. Mm. So, I think with reviews, I try and yeah, take them with a pinch of salt. For me, what why. I want good reviews is because I want the cast to feel like that the show is is working that they trust that and it helps get people into the venue to, to yeah. sell those tickets and it helps if you're ever to look at transferring the show and uh, or, or, or getting a tour or whatever with yeah. it but press night I'm usually not too bad but when it comes to the show has finished on press mm-hmm. night I will usually be in a corner not speaking to anyone because I'm actually more nervous about having to talk to people. Oh. <laughs> I'm really bad at networking. So um, that's the bit I get nervous about as opposed to the show. Love it. Oh. So do you think that there is a slight stigma maybe attached to creatives opening up about their own mental health? Um, it seems to be getting better for actors, but perhaps creatives feel that they can't show as much vulnerability if they're in that position of, power if you get me yeah I wonder if I'm even guilty of that myself I suppose it's kind of what I was saying to you guys before about 
having to feel that you're the parent looking after mm-hmm. everyone and you want to make sure that everyone feels yeah. safe and confident and happy and uh, yeah I would probably say I'm a little guilty myself of being open mm-hmm. about the stress that you're under um, because yeah because if like I said before the fish walks from the head down if you're if you're saying you're stressed it just manifests but maybe yeah. that's something that um yeah maybe that's something that we do need to be more open about. I think I'm definitely open about emotional stuff like I'm, I'm happy to talk about personal stories and, and uh, things that have happened in the past but I think in like the tech mode and stuff like mm. that it's trying yeah. to suppress yeah of course yeah. all of that um yeah there's just a lot there's always a lot of things going on in in your mind and having to try and forward think all the time if mm. if that person doesn't have that hat that yeah. means xyz mm-hmm. and q and it's and i've got three minutes to do this and it's, <laughs> but you do it's like ridiculous thing but everything like yeah. has that butterfly effect mm. um so you're yeah yeah probably a bit of a stigma about it yeah what do you think are important traits to bring to a rehearsal room as a director to ensure a positive working environment where everyone's mental health is looked after? Um, I'm a firm believer in creating a safe environment and I think that um, brings the best out of, of actors and, and um, I often have to work in quite short rehearsal periods um, at the level I'm working at and it's trying to create a room that people feel that they can share their own personal stories and I do that by opening up about my own personal stories as a way to kind of expose um, myself a bit so that people feel that they can share their own experiences if they want to mm-hmm. um, and I as, as a director I, I like people to make choices in in the room and uh, guide them based on their instinct and use that to shape the story in which we all need to tell um yeah I, I try and keep it I try and keep it relaxed but I I have like my own like very tight deadline yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um and yeah I mean I'd, I, I'd always make time for that's not yeah if often I don't get a tea break or a yeah. budget because I'll be talking to someone and that's fine because I want to make sure that person is going to be the best them um, when we return to the next session. Yeah, I try and know a bit about um, everyone be, like that's beyond the CV so that I can mm-hmm. find way, ways to connect to them and try and find mm-hmm. is do we have personal links to mm-hmm. each other so that that might help them feel comfortable. And I, I think table work's really great and sometimes it's missed in musicals. I'm mm-hmm. certainly not by me because I, I think it's pivotal um I think that's a great way to get people to open up and and even if you're not in the scene be a part of the conversation so we get to know a bit about each other and how we see the world um and how we will build our world um yeah so you've directed across fringe venues west end and recently international on broken wings all venues come with their own pressures and stresses, especially um, being like the top dog in the company who has to take responsibility for um, for everybody. How do you manage these pressures and adjust to different theatre and cast sizes? Um, 
Wow, that's huge. Sorry. Uh, no, 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 that's good. I just need time to think. Um, you've got to be really adaptable. And um, certainly working on Broken Wings at the moment, it's it's a it's going to be quite a challenge because unusually I haven't been to the venue for a site visit. So I'm basing how I want the show to look based on photographs that I've seen and uh, CAD drawings that they have of the size of the venue. And I'm trying to make the actors feel confident in the stuff that they are doing and make sure that we're able to do a run of our show that works in our room, but remind them uh, constantly that we will need to be adaptable. And I'm, and I'm being really honest um, with them about, I don't know all the answers, but I'm going to set what we think the answer is now, but be prepared for that to be different. But I think trying to instill a confidence that I don't know what's going on, but I'm not worried because I trust what we're doing and yeah. it can be shifted is, is important to do that. Yeah, every every venue is different. Every venue has different challenges and you're constantly working with new people. I recently did a production and for no fault of anyone's, but in the tech period, it went through three different production managers in one tech and it was a lot to try yeah. and get someone up to speed of where we're at and what, what had happened and, and what we need to, to now look forward. But that was something I, I didn't know was going to happen because of... Um, uh, to, personal things that had happened um, to members of staff and it was uh, yeah it was challenging but trying to just keep calm with it mm-hmm. and uh, look at the space and, and always think about right when my mum's going to see this what's she going <laughs> to like I think really thinking about what the audience is like bringing it right back to that and not, and not getting lost in the magnitude of what you have in front or, or the limitations that you, you have but mm-hmm. remember it's the story should be able to work in a shoebox and it should be able to work in, in a big temple. Or it hopefully will with broken wings. <laughs> Could you walk into a room today and say, I'm having a bad mental health day? Hmm. Yeah, I think I think I could, yeah. But I probably wouldn't word it yeah. quite, like, quite like that, but I don't know that I'd be brave enough. But I, That's really tough. I don't know that I align myself. Um, to be honest about that, but um, I'd like to think I could. Great. That's, That's a really bad answer. No, it's, no, not. it's not. That's not. Everyone's answer is different to that question. I'd like to think I could. That was that's yeah. it. Yeah. But yeah. who knows? Great. Yeah. Fab. We are going to finish with um, another game. Okay. Called finish the sentence. Okay. So another exciting. Exciting. Yeah. <laughs> um, the last thing I ate was. Cheese toasty. Yes. If I was Prime Minister for the day, I would. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. Sort this country out. Yeah. <laughs> um, my favourite club in London is. Oh, my God. I'm too old for good clubbing. Where did I... No. <laughs> club. What's your favourite club? So no Scarlet added in that yeah, question. Yeah, I know. We night club after, like, a press night. Come on, what's yours? Of freedom. Freedom. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I don't really have one. You need to answer. Favourite pub. Favourite pub. Favourite pub. Um, I just, I just like mine local. I'm just so boring, aren't I? I just no. like okay. like a little old man pub with a beer. Yeah, lovely. <laughs> um, I wish people realised that. What? 
I didn't write that one. Don't worry, I'm looking at me. Did I write that one? Sorry. I wish you realised that when pronouncing Brona, you don't need to sign the GH uh, because that makes it Bronag and nobody's called that. Is that what people call you? Oh, yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. What would you do if you met someone for the first time and you were like, hi, Scarlett? And I was like, hi, Bronag. What would you do? I'd just let it be. Like, I'm literally working with someone I have done for a year and it still calls me that. <laughs> really strange about that so in so if you grow if you grow up as a child with a strange or peculiar or different name Mm -hmm. you learn the skills to deal with that (laughs) in Ireland Brona's really common like it's like Jane so (laughs) I didn't know and when I went to Liverpool I was full of Irish people so that was fine when I came to London when I was like 24 I didn't have the skills to deal with (laughs) Not ha- having a strange name, so I might correct someone yeah, once, and then, and then it's just so wrong all the time now that I just. Uh, I'm just like, like but I think it's because it wasn't weird when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah I understand that. Yeah. It's like, oh I, yeah, Irish names are often some of them are written different to how completely different to how. Yeah. yeah, it's because all the, the the consonants all sound different yeah. than they do yeah. to, to English. Uh, it's the same with Welsh as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> um, a play that I've always wanted to direct is. I I've I've directed my favorite play. Um, oh, was it? I am. Um, it was Port, uh, Portia Coughlin at the oh. Old Red Lion, and it, I've just I re- I'm really in, in, enthralled with it. And the young Vic are now doing it next year in 2020. Get in um, there, girl. <laughs> But I'm not directing it. I'm no! heartbroken. I um, just have to put it on again. I just have do to put it, it on again. Like, yeah, <laughs> do it the old thing. That'll do. Uh, yeah. Favorite musical then? Favorite musical actually. Oh god. Uh, I I want to do a professional production of A Man of No Importance. Yeah. Uh, I've done it at a drama school and loved it. Yeah, I think that's the next thing yeah. I'd like to do. Coming soon. <laughs> watch out. Um, mental health to me is. Um, not talked about enough. I would say. A film I could watch over and over is. Emily. Oh. Yes. Love it. Um, my favorite city in the world is. Oh, New York. Yes. New York. <laughs> and finally, to look after my own mental health, I. Um, I use my family around. I use my sisters and my mum a lot. To... Love it. Great. Yes. Rona, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Rona. No, don't, don't. Trying to kill this, right. <laughs> Just for the record, it's pronounced Brona. Yes. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to Industry Minds and we hope you enjoyed this week's episodes. Don't forget to subscribe to be the first to listen to our new episodes which are out every Thursday. If you are interested in our counselling service please email maryindustryminds at gmail.com or just get in touch with us. For news on future guests and events, oi oi, please check out our Instagram and Twitter accounts over at industryminds.uk. Thank you so much for listening and we'll be back with you soon. Have a great week. Bye.